Welcome to the Lightly Literary Podcast, the Thoughtful Book Club podcast featuring two friends. I am Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Welcome back, Amanda. Hello. You have discovered in your podcast feed or in your internet wanderings a book highlights episode for us, which are occasional things that we do to try and pick out some recommendations and I guess collate. Is that the word for this episode? <laughs> We're collating? Yeah. I yeah. like it. Yeah, we're bringing some things together. Every time we finish six different book clubs, so we, we've already read and analyzed these six different works, we decide to pause the podcast for a week and put an episode like this one up, a book highlights episode, so that's what you've stumbled upon. We're going to be today kind of broadly discussing, recommending, and highlighting these books. We are 100% not here to spoil or analyze them very much. We'll obviously do some light chat and stuff about the books and be specific in, in some ways, but overall, we're mostly here to just look at them as a group, try and evaluate them. And this is really a great episode. If you're a first time listener, then of course, welcome. And we're thrilled you're here with us. And if you're just looking for a book rec in general, I'm this is kind of designed for people who have maybe read none of these or weren't following the podcast for these books. This is sort of a condensed kind of one big book rec, I guess, too, Amanda. Yeah, that's right. So if you're looking for something to read, then stick with us for the next hour or so, maybe even under an hour. We try and keep these pretty tight, <laughs> so maybe under an hour. But yeah, stick with us, and we'll we'll get you a good book idea, a good book recommendation by the end of this. Uh, as I mentioned, we are the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is our social media account name as well. We're up on Facebook and Instagram under that handle, so just search for at the Lightly Literary Podcast. It's all one word. Again, on Facebook and Instagram, follow us there for the schedule. We post what we're reading, what we're doing soon, someday, in an imagined future. I will be caught up on the post, but for now we post behind a little bit uh, just because the promotions and drawings and stuff we make for the books take a little bit. But anyway, yeah, so follow us there. We appreciate it. If you found us on a podcast platform like Spotify or um, Apple, something like that, iTunes, any place that has uh, ratings, recommendations, we always appreciate a complete five-star rating you know go ahead and dump in 20 paragraphs about our greatness we accept all compliments <laughs> or just, sure or just rate, yeah or just rate and recommend it's uh, either way is perfectly fine um so that's what we're gonna be doing today book highlights i think i, I set it up well enough amanda I, I guess i should mention that this highlights episode will cover books technically 25 to 30 i mean we don't we don't put the numbers in our podcast episodes so that number is kind of just for us i guess but that's what this will go up under. And also, I think because we put the numbers in the highlights, it does make it easy to see which highlights episode you're you're listening to. So this will be, again, for books 25 to 30. Uh, I will briefly read the titles of them right now and the author's names, just so you know. And we're going to do some explaining and we'll summarize the books a bit as we go. So don't feel like you have to pause and Google these. Um, you can if you want, obviously, but we'll we'll go through them eventually. The books today we'll be talking about are Ghetto Side by Jill Leovi, which is a nonfiction account of kind of crime in Los Angeles. We Are Okay by Nina LaCour, which is a young adult novel about friendship and loss and grief. Then The Incal by Kodorowski and Mobius, which is a graphic novel, a space sci-fi epic. Then Uncommon Type, some stories by Tom Hanks, which is a short story collection by, yes, the actor Tom Hanks. <laughs> and then we have Jazz by Toni Morrison, which is a ooh, a complicated novel that Toni Morrison <laughs> wrote. <laughs> no, it's I guess it's a love it's a love story more or less, but it's also a story of kind of 
dissolving betrayal yeah and dissolving yeah, relationships it's got a lot. yeah it's a lot going on it's Toni Morrison you know she's writes literary masterpieces um so and so it's a novel by her it takes place in New York City and then lastly we have World of Wonders in Praise of Fireflies Whale Sharks and Other Astonishments by Amy Nizukamatatil which is a essay collection but also kind of a autobiography and kind of a celebration of nature that's a complex one i guess we should we just call it an essay collection yeah it's the yeah, simplest non-fiction collection it's the simplest description to be sure so <laughs> sandwich today we've got bookended by nonfiction. um let's get into our first segment amanda let's not hold back anymore the listeners are ready for our free associations do you want to set up what we're doing for this Sure. Um, so with free associations, we just um, we have one word that we each choose as um, and it could be whatever word mm-hmm. I, I decided on nouns just to, to make it more difficult for us. But the first thing that pops into our heads when we think of uh, the, the book that we are. That's right. Um, looking at so. And these demand total honesty because I've got two yeah. weird ones. So <laughs> that's great. I'll, I'll I go love with the one my, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with my truthful association, and then we can string some coherence out of it. Um, do you want to go first? And we'll go in order as they appeared because these are the order we covered them in. So do you want to go yeah. first? Sure. So for ghetto side, I said violence, and um, I think that it's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, ghetto side is about it's a nonfiction work about. The, um, the crime rate in, in L.A., mm-hmm. um, specifically in, in a neighborhood. I forgot what the name of the neighborhood was, though. It's like South Central L.A. I mean, it's honestly not too far away from kind of what pop culture would show us, though obviously being like a real crime story and a real crime reporter, it's a lot more nuanced and it's it's not played up for the kind of posturing that movies and albums portray it as. But I mean, it's, South, it's like South L.A., it's South Central L.A. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I the the thing that I remember the most is just like the violence, even her descriptions, which um Leovi does a great job with um mm-hmm. some of the imagery that she uses, even though it's nonfiction. Um but even the imagery which can be quite peaceful, it depicts these atrocious acts of violence that that's just like I mean, it's throughout the entire book. So mm-hmm. that's what I remember. Yeah, violent but not it's certainly sensitive to it all, of course. And she right. does pretty well writing about the victims and trying to just get her, get to the humanity of it all. She she mm-hmm. does that as well. I think, uh, you know, the atmosphere for this statement is maybe a bit charged, but she does it for the police and the investigators also. I think she right. she has kind of a complicated relationship with detectives and versus kind of on the ground cops. It seems like she kind of admires the life of a detective, maybe a little more than the other. But anyway, that can be difficult to unpack depending on where your your head's at right now in 2022 right. with those issues. But no, she, I, I, it's yeah, it's definitely a violent book, but not grotesque. Not it's not leering or is that the right word? Like she's not doing it to get a rise out of it or kind of for entertainment. It's there's a lot of crime. Um, and a lot of it's nonfiction too, but there's a lot of crime media out there, and this this is it's a bit researched at times. It's it's got some history to it, and yeah, it's just very thorough. Um, but I wouldn't, yeah, I like that word because it makes sense. I also do, wouldn't want to put people off <laughs> making it seem right. like it's, it's it's not yeah. like you're going to be grossed out the entire time that you're reading it. Totally, it's, yeah. it's very purposefully done. Yeah, yeah, and my free association was crime. 
I mean, for all the things I just said, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing I guess I'd add or emphasize is that it, she's pretty thorough with the research. It's well researched. She's got all of her annotations in the back. And, you know, by the end, like these kind of narrative nonfiction books, as they tend to do, she ends up with probably 300 sources or something. I mean, I'm just guessing at that number, but it's, yeah, it's well researched. And she was an LA Times, I think, beat reporter, cop, um, crime reporter for. I don't know, a long time. I was going to say a decade, something like that, if not a decade. So, yeah, very experienced, very detailed. Let's move to We Are Okay, which is, again, a young adult novel about kind of grief and friendship. I'll go first because my free association was friendships or friendship, which... I don't know. Family could have also worked for this one. Not to step on your Mm -hmm. word if that's what you chose. I haven't looked at your column yet. But it really is just about the connections between these two friends, their their seeming budding romance, and then how that kind of twists and turns away from them and everything. And it's kind of a quiet story. It does have a bit of a mystery at the heart of it, which I'll do my best later not to spoil for a reason I'll make clear. But it is sort Mm -hmm. of a, you know, as young adult books can be, a sort of patiently, quietly observed book about the small ways this friendship kind of works or doesn't work. And then at the heart of it, like I said, is kind of a mystery. And then it's also a grieving story, definitely. I yeah. mean, grief is maybe the other word that could have come up for me. But yeah, it's the friendship stands out in some of the situations that they are put into stood out as well. Yeah, that's definitely the um, one of the, the main themes in the book for sure mm-hmm. um i chose loss oh yeah um yeah because um and not just like i, I thought about I, I chose loss that was the first word that popped in my head and i was like well what about grief and i was like no yeah. i think loss um because um there there is grieving but there's also like when you have she also loses herself in some ways oh yeah um and loses her way in 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 making life decisions and everything. But the reason that um, loss in particular is like the word that came to my mind is that she, that Nina LaCour, the author, she does such a great job with, I think, depicting the sense of loss that the main character has. Like it's very much Mm. ingrained in the character, but it's also ingrained in the setting and the imagery and, um, in the illusions <laughs> that she uses. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that, but yes, that's very yeah. true. <laughs> but um, I think she does a great job with just, like, making the novel really um, almost drip with the sensation of, like, mm-hmm. of, of of grief, of feeling that, like, oh, my gosh, just I can't, I can't move on from this right now. Yeah, it's fitting enough that it opens in in the winter, basically with a snow yeah. in. At some point, there is a literal like power outage, snow in situation. So, <laughs> the setting's yeah. doing some work too, for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. a good one. Uh, the Encalos next. It is a graphic novel, as we mentioned, a definitely space opera in the true sense. It's epic in scale, even nonsensically epic. Could is that yeah. fair to say? <laughs> That's a great way to describe that. <laughs> I think those things that can be true. Um, do you want to go first for the Encal? Yeah, I chose um, chaos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nonsensical for, for chaos <laughs> for a couple of reasons. Um, because, like, I do every time I think of that book, I'm just like, man, it's so much chaos within the pages as far as like 
the the chaos of this like space opera like epic but also the chaos of just like the the plot line <laughs> and like oh, yeah. trying to follow the plot sometimes and you're just like right. what <laughs> and um and also the artwork the the chaotic scenes because this is a graphic novel the chaotic scenes are often the the best artwork in there it's just amazing how how well mobius is able to just really Im- imbue his artwork with like the feeling of chaos and and, mm-hmm. and grit and dirt and he's got to wrangle it yeah. he's got to wrangle yeah. these ideas because they went vast yeah. cosmic huge you know at some point there's some you know i'm sure we could find the page or the panel uh, i did not pull it for this but at some point there's a intro to some kind of drawing and it says something like seven billion people are going to die or i forgot what yeah. it's, it's just kind of <laughs> like okay <laughs> you know it's like that kind of scale of things so yeah. A truly intergalactic situation. My association was space. So this is one I'm cheating on because mm-hmm. that was my first thought. And it's just so boring. I mean, what can I even say about it? It takes place in outer space. It does. It's, it that's does. a fact. It spans yep, different true. civilizations, time periods. It's it's not even clear if you're on Earth. I think they call it Earth 2 or Earth 20 or something like that. Something, yeah, it was some number. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's pretty futuristic space opera I just don't... So I came up with a second one, which was drama, which feels right to me, and it's a good pairing with chaos, just because everything feels heightened. The scene-to-scene transitions do feel kind of rough, maybe unearned would be a a harsher way to say it. It's weird. I'm coming down negative on this, but I, I don't feel so. It just is so intense and moves from kind of galactic problem to galactic problem. Once I would say past the first third. like The first third is kind of a... I mean, it's also chaotic and dramatic, and this guy's trying to survive, but it really balloons in scope later. Like, I would say again, after the first third. And yeah, the drama and scale of the drama in this book, uh, there are character dramas that make no sense to me, but then the some of the space stuff is compelling. Um, so mm. that's, I guess, how I would maybe try and frame it. Yeah. Yeah. I, also, like, some of the scenes are almost we i said space operatic in some ways yeah and and operas are full of drama and it often it's it's like it also makes me think of those like terrible early morning um uh like days of our lives what is that genre oh, called <laughs> i mean those are soaps just like yeah, daily so, soaps. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Soap operas. There we go. So, um, but it's not to say that the Incall is a soap opera by any means, but a couple of like the character interactions and stuff. I'm like, that's kind of soap operatic. Like, oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it definitely has those elements to it. And I think yeah. that I mean, if we could fault soap operas, which I have never truly engaged in or engaged with, but if we could fault them from afar, it just seems like everything happens maybe too fast or is Mm -hmm. heightened too much or something. Like, that's the common... And this has that problem. (laughs) So it's it's really not even an unfair connection, to be honest. Um, (laughs) Next next collection up is Uncommon Types and Stories, which is by Tom Hanks, a short story collection by him, which spans a lot of different things. I don't really know if you could... I mean, he tries to make typewriters the common through line or motif but it's 
it's flimsy. <laughs> so they're yeah. in there though, but it's definitely not. It, d- it did not deepen my appreciation for typewriters in really any way. So I'll do mine first again because I'm cheating on this one. Uh, honestly, the first thing I thought of was boredom, but that's because I just didn't like it and felt kind of bored while reading. <laughs> so that's it doesn't really describe the work, you know. I had to. That's why mm-hmm. I had to do another one for this because I th- first thing, literally the first thing I thought was just like, oh yeah, like boredom or kind of disinterest but that's again that's more of how i responded to reading them not this content so then i went with time travel which is an odd one because they're not really sci-fi there is one literal time travel story so there is some sci-fi but for the most part that's not it i think time travel came to mind because as we agreed upon in the analysis book club episodes he just kind of writes like a person who got plucked from 1952 or something with the, the that view of the world and that morality and that everything and just decided to start writing today he he kind of lives up in a in a distressing way to his america's calm dad demeanor or something it's he has a strange worldview i mean if we can infer his worldview from short stories which maybe is a bit unfair but you know between the 15 to however many of them there are here some through lines definitely come come to the become obvious i guess and and so it does feel like he just yeah it feels like a man who's writing plucked from time that's that's so funny because my word is nostalgia mm-hmm. for a lot of the same reasons. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because he does, he writes like, like from that worldview, but also his characters, I'm thinking um, specifically of the Christmas story that he wrote. Oh, sure. It's like that, yeah, the, there's like this... Um, beautification of the past in a lot of ways and this like oh those were the good old days and also like even the the weird newspaper clippings dude like he was <laughs> yeah. definitely the curmudgeon right but he was mm-hmm. like back in the day before this we had typewriters that were amazing and <laughs> and uh, i mean maddening and we're certainly not going to reopen the analysis now but maddening to say if that is satirical or if that's a tom hanks insert <laughs> I think yeah. it's a Tom Hanks insert, I, I, but it's just so hard to say. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think he's exactly pining for, I don't think he's writing so naively as to just pine for the 50s or, or something. Even the time travel story, I'll, I'll do a light spoiler here. It, it doesn't go well in the, like in the end, I'll not say why or how or whatever, but it's just, so I don't think we can simplify Tom Hanks's kind of view to just the past was better. But right. but I, I also don't think just because of that one story that the other ones escape this this kind of aw shucksism about it. Right. And yeah, I don't yeah, we unpack it, so if you're interested in that or if you're just curious what the heck Tom Hanks is like as a writer, then there is that. Um any other thoughts on nostalgia? Next up then is Jazz by Tony Morrison. Um why don't you take it away, Amanda? What do you have for jazz? Uh, yeah, so we we were saying that the novel is like kind of a love story, but the the first word that came to my mind was motherhood. Mm. Um, okay, just because that was one of the motifs and one of the major themes that really because obviously since I'm a mother, mm-hmm. anything to do with like relationships like that, I'm instantly like glomming onto it. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> but I thought that that was a very important um, theme because like the the broken relationships with the mothers um, 
kind of informed the broken relationships that they had with each other in a lot of ways. And there and was the search for that comfort. There was one, I would call it a reach, maybe. And I think that her experimentation gets away from her maybe in this novel a little, at least, you know, from, mm-hmm. from my life, to my reckoning, for, for my liking. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think you're right that it kind of... Yeah, it do, kind of does come down to mothers, huh? I never would have thought about yeah. it that way. But if you read this, if you read some of the backstory inserts or inclusions in a certain way, or if you if you grant them a certain amount of importance, then I think you would come away from that thinking about that. It it wasn't what grabbed me, but I can't I can't turn away from that analysis, you know, or that if you if that's what you chose, it's like yeah, I couldn't, you definitely could not look away from that. That's interesting. I think mine might be weaker, because. I, but it's again, it's honest. Um, and not to say that yours was weak, it just wouldn't have been what I thought of. But I put New York City. Do you think this is a? I mean, it takes place in New York City, duh. But do you think this is a novel about New York City? I think that it's a novel about the city life and the and the almost corruptions of. Mm-hmm. Of the city life, or maybe not even corruptions is the right word, but just how the how living in the city versus living in the country affects people and affects their relationships with people and their perceptions of like romantic love versus right, lust right. versus like instant gratification. Like it's definitely she ties city life with instant gratification for sure. Um, well, no, so yeah. I think it, it could I, be I think any that, major city though. That's the thing is. What yeah. about it feels quintessentially New York to me? In the history of New York media, you know, there's infinite stories of novels, movies, TV, plays <laughs> written about New York. I just wonder if it would sit up in the, not even the pantheon of those stories, but if it would sit up in the curriculum with those, or if this is something right. else. Like, I don't think, if, I had, if you had only three genre tags to hit it with, in your you know imaginary library would new york city make it in your in your three you know in your three labels like to me like lust probably would beat it out right like it's a story of lust Mm -hmm. and kind of attraction Mm -hmm. also i was gonna say revenge that doesn't feel quite right it is kind of that, but well. Anyway, I'm I'm just kind of veering and, and thinking <laughs> to myself now. But the point being, I I thought New York City, the city's a big part of it. There's no question. The unnamed narrator who we were confused about the whole time, <laughs> and really, you know, <laughs> kind of taking some stabs in the dark ad and guessing at what was going on there. But anyway, the, the narrator unnamed definitely has thoughts about New York and the effect it has on people and why people live there, why they're drawn to it. I just think. You swap it for Chicago. I mean, a couple things change, but a lot of it could stay the same. Um, Damn, I, I don't, yeah, for I sure. just, it, it's strange to say that though, because it really is the city. Really, is a, a crucial part of it and is a character. But yeah, just thinking of the New Yorkness of it, um, that's just interesting to consider to me. And notice that neither one of us chose jazz for jazz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, what's in a cover, what's in a title kind of a vibe here, because <laughs> it, it's yeah. going into it. It's jazzy in its construction because it's experimental. It riffs frequently. It, it's unpredictable in structure sometimes. So I think it's more stylistic. Can it, but yeah, and there is at least one character who deeply thinks about what music means to them. And the other connections are pretty tangential. Mm-hmm. And also none of them are musicians, right? None of them. It's not like... It's not yeah. a b- book about making music. That's for sure. 
Mm-hmm. So, any other thoughts on jazz? Um, nope. Okay. Final book, then, we'll free associate with. And that is World of Wonders by Amy Nizukamatato, which we've decided to call an essay collection, but it's a couple other things as well. I'll go first. I put family for this one. And it's a real 50-50 oh, like situation, Amanda, because either it's family or nature. Take your pick. <laughs> There's literally no... No, I'm just kidding. But the, if I had to come up with one or two words, that's what it is. I mean, the project that she went on in this, it seems, is to do an essay collection centered on nature, you know, a different plant, different animal for each one. But it's also very personal and very much an autobiography, out of order, sort of, a disjointed one. Mm-hmm. So I guess the family stuff stuck with me because, well, and this is where I kind of play my hand it didn't work as much so i think maybe i'm just a negative person on this episode because i guess i'm gravitating to the stuff that doesn't it's like i love some of her nature writing and thought a lot of the family stuff was pretty maybe half-baked or just wasn't as thoroughly developed as i was hoping so anyway that's yeah it's strange that that i chose that i was very negative about some of the family stuff on the episodes or critical very critical yeah well maybe that's yeah that's why you remembered it Mm -hmm. so much um I chose the word sketches um, because Mm -hmm. when I think of the way that she writes, it's more like rather than anything going super in depth, even like her discussions of nature and stuff, it's more just these these big, broad, almost abstract ideas and abstract connections that she completely understands because it's totally personal to her. But it comes off to us as like maybe sometimes undeveloped. But if you Mm -hmm. go in there not expecting a whole lot of like details about her personal life and and not expecting a full on memoir, it's more like these free associations she almost makes with um, with nature and herself. So that's why I chose sketches. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, too, because it's uh, calling it an autobiography is just straight up wrong. But it's just it comes in Mm -hmm. so often every. Yeah, every single kind of essay has some personal connection, even if it's really brief, right? Even if it's really, (laughs) really slight that I just yeah, you can't avoid it. But I think you've nailed the description of the genre, basically. Yeah, the the weird genre. <laughs> and also, shout-outs to... But I liked it, so... <laughs> yeah, shout-outs to the nature writing in it, which I think is pretty excellent. Yep. You know, that's one thing I praised yeah. if you end up listening to the book clubs or reading it with us, however you want to do it. Come around to the book, book rec or something first, but yeah, that was one thing that we pretty much unequivocally celebrated. It, it can mm-hmm. be a little jarring to move from one to the other, in my opinion, but there's, yeah, some excellent nature writing in there, too. Very fun. Yeah. Any final thoughts on any of those books? World of Wonders, any of them? Uh, nope. Excellent. Let's move on to our next segment then. Keep trying to set these books up for our dear listeners. And this is going to be a segment called This or That, which we have some contrasting categories, or at least interestingly complementary categories. <laughs> they don't have to be contrast, <laughs> I guess. And we're going to pick a book to fill each category, so I'll set up the first one, and I guess I'll go first. Why not? So yeah. the first kind of pairing we have is a book to bring to the beach or a book to study in a class or study, you know, on your own. My beach book, I'm going with World of Wonders, but 
I don't know. I'm inclined to say the Incal, but it's like don't glug around a graphic novel, you know? It's like if you could read on an yeah. iPad maybe <laughs> or something. I don't know. Or a, a tablet of unnamed an unnamed corporation. We, we don't get sponsorship money, so. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, I think World of Wonders, though, because I assume if you're on a vacation, you might have some time outdoors. That's, that's maybe naive of me. But, I mean, obviously, you can do it vacation to a city too but i just think it, it also is such bite-sized pieces you can read each essay the longest yeah. might take 10 minutes 15 i guess if you're a patient you know yeah. we kind of rereader and so the shortest might take you two minutes <laughs> given or you know given who you are <laughs> so i think that's why i'm saying beach read for world of wonders right like vacation beach i think that's a good one appreciate mm-hmm. nature while you're in nature right and my study book exactly, this is a weird yeah. one sorry no, I was agreeing with you. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I definitely. I just thought, I thought you had a question or something. Um, my because yeah. because because my study book's an odd one. I thought you were jumping in already. I'm saying like, what the heck? No. <laughs> the study one is I put the in call now. It's a sci-fi space opera, which you'd have to be in a certain class to analyze that, right? Not there aren't too many college courses or, or imaginary ones that are about that kind of a thing though you know it seems to be increasing but it, it seems like its influence is vast and the author mobius is really beloved in in that space so i really think you could spin that book off into studying i mean almost any sci-fi story since that time <laughs> since it was published not that it has direct influence on those things but it it just seems like its influence might be vast in terms of cosmic cosmic narratives of a grand scope and scale so I, I do think that in a fiction kind of history of a certain kind of genre fiction course that could be kind of awesome to see where exactly it pops up yeah i um it's so funny because those are my exact same picks for no this, way. these two categories oh man yeah. that's hilarious because i really thought i was like well ghetto side's gonna be the study one so i'll pick something else <laughs> cool okay we'll jump on in then what do you think yeah so for world of wonders as as far as like being my beach read um it's just it's so readable it's small chunks you can like take a break from reading and like go and and kind of like stare off into space and think about your own connections to nature and stuff and and because you'll be like out in nature it's just so easy to read about nature and and continue to create a um a feeling of appreciation for nature and it's just it's it's such a for me, I really enjoyed it too. Um, it's a pleasant read, and it's a light mm-hmm. read. It's not something that's going to like bog you down, True. Um, which yeah. is what you want on the beach. Great. And point. then to study, I said the Inkall because um, of its influence on so much of the sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. But also, I was just like, as far as some of the tropes. Um, it's, a, it's like a really good, if you were to take a class, I think in, um, in like how to write sci-fi or how to analyze sci-fi movies and books. Um, I think that this mm-hmm. would be a great one to, to bring along just cause it's informed, maybe not informed, but it, it's definitely influenced a lot of sci-fi. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a great one to kind of take a look at. And plus like, you and I, like, there was so much discussion about, like, some of the the plot and the, the chaos of everything. There's a lot to unpack, and you could really take your time and just, like, really unpack a lot of that stuff, too, I think. And it, there's a lot to it, so. 
Oh, yeah. Hugely, hugely influential and dense. It also... I, I, I think I might just spoil this now because I've hinted at it now twice. But I think it's going to be my top pick for this group, which I only say now to spoil that. Sorry if you're sticking around for the rankings at the end for whatever reason. <laughs> um, you, can, you can now turn this off. No. I only say all this just because I'm going to have so many criticisms of this book, but that's part of what I loved about it was it's kind of a big mess. And as I phrased on the yeah. recommendation, it feels like they didn't say no to anything. It doesn't feel edited yeah. or something. By, by really, I, And I'm sure it was heavily edited. That's how publications work. <laughs> but it just does not feel creatively inhibited. And I think you could really get into some criticism of it, too. And, like, it has some clear mm-hmm. failures to me, but also some strange grandiosity that you you can't look away from. So you could study mm-hmm. it in either way. It's really, I think, a flawed masterpiece. A college professor loves a flawed masterpiece, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. not that they all don't have flaws, but this one's got some serious <laughs> ones. Um, next category is a book to cheer you up or a book to help you mope. I'm flipping. I'm flipping the script on this one, Amanda, because I pick for cheer up. We are okay. What do you think? What did you pick for cheer up? Interesting. For cheer up, I put uncommon type. Yeah, and I I only start here because I think we are okay could make a ton of people cry, and and it has some clear emotional beats that are uh, not manipulative because I think they're well done. It's not anything that bad, but it, it's yeah. it's playing for some clear emotional threads and has some betrayals and and revelations and all that stuff that's very. But I just think the because of the way it concludes. No spoilers. I think it does have to go in the cheer up category. I think it's affirming in a lot of ways. I, I chose We Are Okay for my moping. Uh, which makes total sense to me. Cause yeah, because yeah, the book is her moping appropriately, you know, not in a critical way. Yeah. 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 And I think that it, it, especially if you are in the midst of like feeling grief or loss, this is a great book to kind of like um, express some of the emotions and some of the actions and behaviors that you might might be experiencing in your grief Mm -hmm. so it's like that's how that's why i chose that one is just because it's like a great description of like how a lot of people deal with grief and how Mm -hmm. um and so as if you are experiencing grief this is a good one to just kind of like read and be like okay great like somebody else knows exactly how to describe like why i'm acting this way or like how Mm -hmm. i'm feeling and stuff so that's why i chose it as moping even despite how it ends and everything and really like what other i think especially for ya which often sacrifices complexity and literariness for connection right and emotionality which is maybe not even a trade-off it's just a different mode but anyway i think that's the highest praise you could give it is that it'll yeah it'll kind of make you feel okay or connected or normal or something right. for experiencing yeah. certain things so i do think that's high praise and yeah it's i it seemed again i was i'm not trying to be zany with my picks but because i do believe it's a cheer up but i also thought like well it's clearly the mopiest so i'm zagging <laughs> um for my book to help you mope i went with ghetto side a book that also ends with at least one seemingly positive outcome more or less depends on I interpret some evidence in a court case, maybe. But I just think that the problem, because of the, it's not a, I mean, like any great nonfiction work about institutions, there's no clear solution and there's no totally clear outcome for policy. There's definitely some, some 
insight in it and some revelations and i doubt you'd come away with it not thinking about the world differently which is really great but also it it does it's an intense you know read and has some tragedy in it for sure and kind of nonsensical violence and, and all kinds of Anyway, yeah, it's a complex issue. So I just think you could come out of it motivated with clarity. I think it's also fair to come out of it moping a bit about just how much of a mess this can be, this is <laughs> this crime situation is. Yeah, she does. Um, Leovi does a really good job of um, incorporating some of the statistics and and information about like what's what's going on with the violence in these neighborhoods, and it seems like this vicious cycle of not just poverty but of feeling stuck and of not having the support necessary to change the violence within the neighborhoods and and the Mm -hmm. anyway so yeah that book i could definitely see as a moping one because it kind of like when we um talked about what was that other book the climate change one Oh, like some of yeah. the statistics is just like, oh man, like <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is terrible. Um, but yeah, I, I get that. For yeah, sure. it's it's depends on kind of. I don't know because the author in that book is also more absent, I would say, than the field notes from a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Like she only really jumps in at the end. I think you have to kind of infer yeah. a lot of her point of view otherwise. And so I don't think she seems particularly down. She's clear out about things, but not depressed or not moping about yeah. it or so. I do think it's more of kind of the complexity and the, the largeness of things that would feel mopey. Mm-hmm. What, what was your mope book? My my mope book was We Are oh, Okay. Oh, your cheer up book then. Um, yeah, sorry, I forgot we yeah. flipped them. Yeah, yeah. My cheer up book is Uncommon Type, um, mm. which is a, maybe a strange pick, but because the stories are so uh, almost sappy, um, mm, yeah, and mostly positive um there might be you know there's there's conflict in all of them in some way or another but it's it's very like affirming as well it's like don't worry guys you can do it and like everybody has like a pretty good ending and it's just like being in like watching um leave it to beaver or something like that where where it's like you get some stuff that happens and maybe it's like not great, but then at the end everybody's like a okay. So that's mm-hmm. why I chose it. Yeah, yeah, it's, I, yeah, I think it's one of those content style splits where my brain just kind of short circuits because I just didn't, I never really felt joy <laughs> while reading it or whatever. It was just kind of because I felt like I struggled to to connect with his writing style a bit. So it's, but objectively, if that can be said, or, or maybe I'll rephrase to the content wise, the you know the plot summaries of these things. I think I agree with you, and even in even in some of the sadder ones, quote unquote, there's little bright spots and you know connections to to cheer up. Um, let's do our final this or that's book you'd like to reread or would reread or a book that would inspire you to do more research or like that feels like the study one now <laughs> i guess it yeah. would inspire I, i'm gonna go with an angle i guess i'll start again but it's because i'm gonna go with um a book inspires you to read others or do research I, I i said jazz just because it reminded me that even in a book i didn't like as much morrison style cannot be denied her genius is just so obvious so it inspires me to continue to stick with her and you know i'll pick up another book of hers in a few years and love it probably and you know think it's really interesting and so well done and all that stuff so that's why i picked jazz for research it's not research per 
se, but it's more of like it was a reminder of this author's power, and so it's just kind of like, more yeah, of I, I will not author, forget to yeah. pick up Morrison again soon. <laughs> yeah, I got you. That makes sense to me. Um, in that same vein, my I, I suppose like I would also like to read more by um, Leovi, who wrote Ghetto Side, um, mm-hmm. because there is so much. She's she's written articles and um, uh, has done uh, obviously a lot of research. Um, to do this book and I think that I would like to read some of her other articles where she she spent a lot of time with um, uh, a couple of the police departments and and she had a blog for a while so she's a prolific writer um, about these things and I think that I'd like to see some more of what she had to say about it too because it would I think add to what we read with Ghetto Side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and such a worthwhile topic. And I think, doesn't she include a syllabus at the back? Uh, maybe? Uh, maybe. Well, if not, then I, I'm sure you could easily find companion works to read, yeah. study. It's Yeah, anyway. And she has a long history of doing crime writing anyway, so you could just look up more of her stuff. So it's a good one yeah, for that. for sure. And my reread I picked because, out of honesty, I did reread parts of it already, and that's The In Call. But it also feels like cheating to pick graphic novels for this because you know how much I don't like rereading. I'm, you know, that's just not the way I enjoy stories and media and stuff. But graphic novels do feel like cheating because you can just flip through 20 pages in a kind of a breezy, fun way and get some enjoyment Mm -hmm. out of it again. So I have already picked up some of the in-call and looked it over and checked pages again. And so that's my honest answer because it's actually happened. If not that, which, again, feels maybe a bit easy, probably, probably jazz, just for the complexity, I guess, because I feel like it deserves it. <laughs> I feel like I'd definitely pick up on new themes, right? Reading it a second right. time. Yep, that's, um, I chose for my reread Jazz. Um, now that, like, we've reached the end and, like, we were both, like, what's happening in this book a lot of the time. And now that I have, like, a particular theme in my mind, if I were to go back, I think that it would help me to, like, better understand the beginning parts of the novel. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those books where you don't really grasp like the the purpose or the the major theme until like maybe towards the end, and then you're like, oh well, now I have to reread the whole thing so I can better understand it. And I think we we both agreed that we need to do ten more rereadings to understand the narrator and the narrator's role yeah. and <laughs> yeah, what it means. And I think what, what do we have thirty more rereads to? Maybe by the end of my life, I will have understood the <laughs> who is the narrator, why is the narrator. Anyway, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, definitely worthy. Yeah. All right, let's move to our final couple of segments. Which are going to, well, the first one's going to be about best in quotes or best moments, I guess you could think of it as. Uh, We've got a few categories here. Mm -hmm. We're going to give out some brief awards to the stories and and maybe read a little bit from them, though. I chose some really awful picks for this. I I feel great about the picks, but also I failed in a couple obvious ways, which we'll get to. Um, (laughs) Let's start with best imagery. So most striking image or maybe just visual moment. Do you want to go first? Because you actually pulled the quote like a sensible person. (laughs) Yeah, I pulled it from World of Wonders. Yeah. Um, The author, by the way, of World of Wonders is a poet. Mm -hmm. Um, So she she does well with um, some imagery. So 
This is from page 21 in the book. When I see comb jellies in aquariums, I think of the first time I held my glass bangles up to the light. I've always been drawn to color, the hue and cry of joy. And I think perhaps it was because someone on the other side of the planet entrusted those bangles, that fragility to me when I was so young. What a water world comb jellies make, suspending their millions of rainbows, not in the sky, but in the ocean, sometimes so far into the way down deep and dazzle that only pale creatures like anglerfish and gulper eels take notice, perhaps imagining for a brief moment the delicious luxury of what it's like to be warmed by the sun after a rain. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an example of her trying to marry a memory with... Um, an appreciation of nature but i just love the imagery of um the rainbow idea and like warming in the sun after a rain like that's a very specific memory that that i think anybody could have and and it's just i don't know i I think that it's a great way to describe the light um and and the difference between light above ground and light in the ocean <laughs> yeah yeah and she has another moment of kind of a cosmic connection what was it about gosh she talks about like the origins of the cosmos or something i forget what it was but yeah, yeah she does she goes for that imagery a couple times in these odd moments that not odd in a bad way but an unusual kind of when you're unprepared for it moments uh do you have a quote prepared mm. that is equi- equivalently good and interesting about her family life <laughs> Just kidding. I'm just being rude now. <laughs> She's a great nature writer. Yeah, it's there's no question about it. My best imagery moment is terrible because it's from a graphic novel, which I can't read to you, <laughs> for listeners. That's why this is a terrible pick by me. But the Encall, I mean, again, it feels like cheating with a graphic novel, obviously, but I can't oversell it. Just go Google some things. Um, this would be a good time to pause and just Google image search stuff from the Encall. But I just chose pages 195 to 200. Do you remember the Colosseum battle on that kind of bird planet? How could I forget? Let me just describe this with very neutral nouns, listeners, so you can understand the madness and scope of this book. It is a galaxy-wide multi- kind of not race races the maybe races the multi species multi being Colosseum gladiatorial style battle in a Colosseum filled with bird creatures. And in the pinnacle of the, on the top of the Coliseum, um, there is a large pyramid, I guess, and they have to run to the top. At the top of it is their god, and the person who gets to it first gets to reproduce with the god, who ends up being kind of a jealous, envious god. And that's what it's about. And it's a brutal, violent, medieval-style combat race to the top of this pyramid. At some point, a spaceship that is embedded in a person's bloodstream comes out and helps him fly. Uh, that happens in this scene. <laughs> I Yeah, it's it has all the stuff that Mobius does well in the graphic novel is, I guess, why I chose it. It's strange. It's really gorgeously illustrated. The colors pop when they need to. The scope always works it seems he just had such an eye for scale and always picks the right angle and moment and it has kind of um an overwhelming quality to some of the bigger wider shots too uh, it seems like there's about two million people in attendance <laughs> give or take it's like a two million person bird person stadium i don't know yeah i could go on describing it in this kind of neutral way but it's it's really intense and it just I'll remember that scene, you know, for as long as I have this graphic novel, I'll always look at it and think of that. It, Mobius's artwork in, in this graphic novel, it's just amazing. And 
scenes like that, it's there's no way that you could forget about it. Like the, the way that he draws it is just so epic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's epic in yeah. the truest, most complimentary sense. You really can't exactly. Yeah, you just can't go wrong with that word. How about next category, or let's call it award, I guess, which is a character detail or character moment. Um, let me just let me live in my shame, Amanda, and go first. <laughs> uh, I've picked another thing that I cannot read because it is a major spoiler, which I only realized kind of when we fired up this pod. I th- thought ahead earlier and was like, oh, man, you did. I picked like a major story spoiler, for, so I'm not going <laughs> to read it. I will just awkwardly describe it in some detail. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which it's from We Are Okay, which is a um, the, the young adult grief kind of friendship story. Here's what I'll say. The book sets up an obvious mystery that it wants you to think about and solve. Not solve. It's not like that. It's not Sherlock Holmes. But it wants you to consider this mystery. It's core to a character's development. It's core to the story. And I don't... So I pick the reveal about it is what I wanted to read or talk about. And I, I won't say what it is. won't say what it spoils. But I just think it mostly kind of worked... And it was even, it even had an eeriness and oddness to it that I really appreciated. And I will also say this, while the story makes some things clear, it also doesn't resolve things that it maybe could have. And I really like that is how I came Mm -hmm. away thinking about it. We, I remember even on the episode, I think it was the book club, I I wasn't stunned by it or something, but I, I feel like I came up short for words at times too, just because it was really kind of a creepy devastating detail that I just really appreciated. And I, you know, for young adult stories where, where the writing might be a little um, stripped down or pared down and there might not be some of the same literary things to enjoy that I normally do. I feel like things like this kind of have to work well for me to be like, Oh yeah, what a memorable book or what a good book. And that moment I think did not that it was perfect, but I, yeah, I'll, I'll come away thinking about that. And thinking about that moment, how unresolved it still feels is fascinating to me. Yeah. I also chose We Are Okay. Cool. Can Um, you actually read yours? I I can. (laughs) Okay. Uh, It's from the beginning. Nice, nice. It's from page seven. Um, Outside is the moon, the contours of trees, the buildings of the campus, the lights that dot the path. All this is my home now, and it will still be my home after Mabel leaves. I'm taking in the stillness of that, the sharp truth of it. My eyes are burning. My throat is tight. If only I had something to take the edge off the loneliness. If only lonely were a more accurate word. It should sound much less pretty. Better to face this now, though, so that it doesn't take me by surprise later, so that I don't find myself paralyzed and unable to feel my way back to myself. Hmm. Um, I know where I am and what it means to be here. I know Mabel is coming tomorrow, whether I want her to or not. I know that I'm always alone, even when surrounded by people. So I let the emptiness in. My palms are warm on my legs. There are many ways of being alone. That's something I know to be true. I breathe in stars and sky. I breathe out snow and trees. Um, so we talked about like how this is a book about loss and everything like that. And, and the character, the main character who's experiencing this loss, I think that she's characterized very clearly and very well and is very, um, it's easy to sympathize with her and to empathize Mm. with her if you've gone through something similar. And, um, I just, I think that the author does a really good job with describing this character and like showing, 
several things like yeah she's lonely but she's like also playing with the idea of like it's not just loneliness there's some other aspect there there's something missing in her life and it's not just that she's alone um Mm -hmm. but there's something else there that she feels she's different from others and it's also like we see that she's kind of uh, perhaps a literary type there where she's talking about the uh the word lonely itself and how it's like not fitting and stuff so we get some a couple of insights there yeah yeah and i think it's it's very young adult in its spare selectively chosen imagery and it feels very cautiously written but i think it fits the story really well just because of her emotional state the characters i forgot her name already sorry (laughs) character names from four books ago it's just gonna escape me marina marina marin i I think yeah yeah anyway so it's yeah it's a great court to show that and uh, above all else of course uh, other than the the moon cold imagery and the sensory nature Mm -hmm. of that i just appreciate that you picked a quote you can read so (laughs) way to go (laughs) Uh, Great job, Travis. Two, zero out of two so far. <laughs> uh, we've got a couple other awards to give out, which we'll try and be somewhat quick about. Um, the next one is Most Awkward Moment, which I'll go first because I can read this one. So I'll keep taking these first. This one I'm less ashamed of. I went with Jazz, a story of many awkward moments, though I don't think it reads 100% awkwardly just because you're so, I don't know, stuck in the story and your head spinning from all the different things happening <laughs> but i chose when alice and it is violet right yeah it's alice and violet yeah, violet um they are meeting because one of them uh her husband i think it was violet right violet's yeah. husband okay so violet's, violet's husband, husband had an joe aff- yeah violet's husband had an affair with alice's kind of niece but also daughterish. she's looking after her carefully and then kills her though it's not never proven and violet goes to her wake to try and cut her with a knife her corpse so she's having a you know this kind of grief rage outburst and then she goes to meet her after that so it's it's literally after she tried to attack her deceased niece that she meets up with her they have a brief conversation and as how it i'll just read a selection of their conversation Alice handed her the tea. I don't understand women like you, women with knives. She snatched up a long-sleeved blouse and smoothed over the ironing board. I wasn't born with a knife. No, but you picked one up. You never did? Violet blew ripples into the tea. No, I never did. Even when my husband ran off, I never did that. And you, you didn't even have a worthy enemy, somebody worth killing. You picked up a knife to insult a dead girl. But that's better, ain't it? The harm was already done. She wasn't the enemy. Oh, yes, she is. She's my enemy. Then, when I didn't know it, and now too. Why? Because she was young and pretty and took your husband away from you? Violet sipped her tea and did not answer. After a long silence and after their talk had turned to trifles, then on to the narrowness of life, Violet said to Alice Manfred, Wouldn't you? You wouldn't fight for your man? And then there's some reflections about her childhood. Yeah, it's it's some in- intense barbs back and forth to a really kind of... Unexpl- not unexplainable, like unjustifiable, intense scenario. And yeah, it's I came away from the novel, of course, because it jumps from there and does not stick with their friendship or it's not friendship, their kind of burgeoning connection because it really doesn't revisit it. But I think you and I both wished it would have because they have such yeah. intense exchanges like that. So, For sure. yeah, but still worth plucking the moment. Um, that was also my awkward um, thing was from Jazz when Violet first visits Alice so when Alice finally opens the door to her mm-hmm. and their exchange is like <laughs> it also shows how like kind of weird Violet is as a person in mm-hmm. a lot of ways <laughs> right right <laughs> um, so I'll just briefly read 
Um, the notes she slid under Alice's door offended her, then frightened her. But after a while, having heard how torn up the man was and reading the headlines in the age, the news, the messenger. By February, she had steeled herself and let the woman in. What could you want from me? Oh, right now, I just want to sit down on your chair, Violet said. I'm sorry, I just can't think what good can come of this. I'm having trouble with my head, said Violet, placing her fingers on the crown of her hat. See a doctor, why don't you? Violet walked past her, drawn like a magnet to a small side table. Is that her? Alice didn't have to look to know what she was staring at. Yes. The long pause that followed while Violet examined the face that loomed out of the frame made Alice nervous. Before she got up the courage to ask the woman to leave, she turned away from the photograph, saying, I'm not the one you need to be scared of. No? Who is? I don't know. That's what hurts my head. You didn't come here to say you sorry. I thought maybe you did. You come in here to deliver some of your own evil. I don't have no evil of my own. I think you'd better go. Let me rest here a minute. I can't find a place where I can just sit down. <laughs> so she's like <laughs> barges in, refuses think, to leave. Yeah. <laughs> a form of its own evil, yeah. you know? Don't go to places uninvited. <laughs> yeah. That is evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then she's like talking and it's like my head hurts it's like i there's something wrong with my head and and alice is like oh my god like why are you here (laughs) yeah so yeah is it any surprise to any listeners or to ourselves that we that we chose our both our character stuff from tony morrison's novel (laughs) i mean there's interesting (laughs) characters in all the books but i mean come on it it was going to be tony morrison always she just automatically gets that and owns that category when she's up when she's up for it yeah, amazing. Any other thoughts on jazz? Uh, nope. Timing wise, we're we're cutting the last category. Edit on the fly here, Amanda. Oh, I know, I know. Oh my we'll, we'll get back to it, but I I want to keep these close to an hour, and I want to bring um, some time for the rankings too. I want at least a good ten minutes on that. So we're Got cutting it. it. I'm, can, I'm keeping this cutting in. It. I don't care. <laughs> let the Let's bloat. Let the podcast bloat happen. I mean, people listen to like four hour <laughs> episodes of podcasts of people just talking about nothing. So we can <laughs> we'll add another ten <laughs> minutes in. It's fine. Let's move on to the final segment them which are our personal rankings so again if you're listening to this as we hope you are for a recommendation a review getting a sense of what to read then we think ending with rankings is kind of the best practice where we will finally just put them in an order that we think is decent we're also going to compare ours against goodreads which if you don't know what that is goodreads is an online rate and recommend book website it's unfortunately i mean or fortunately if you love amazon but it's amazon owned it really is the best database though of book reading opinions on the internet probably there are a couple of competitors but we stick with goodreads because of its massive reach and it's it just has so many reviews on it and the community there is very active so imperfect website but um very useful for our purposes and i think in general if you haven't listened to a, a highlights episode like this one before I, we disagree with them most of the time, would you say? Yeah, or a lot of the time. So we've we yeah. have our literary quite, quite often, yeah, yeah. We have our literary sweet, sweet spot. I will say I was thrilled by two of the picks today. So we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, what we will do is we'll go we'll go first to last, just so we can put our our strongest energy up front. So we'll go first number one to number six. Um, did I forget one? Oh, there's a tie. That's why. Okay, so let's start with Goodreads. Goodreads number one with a oh and they rate out of five stars. So the number one pick with a four point one six rating is the In Call. Uh, my number one also the In Call. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a second. And Amanda, your number one, Jazz. 
Yeah, great pick. We'll start with Ian Call, since for once, Goodreads and I have aligned, have aligned our literary taste. I do think it could be that maybe sci-fi gets a, not a pass, but I mean, it's, it's such a beloved genre at this point. I mean, superhero movies are a type of sci-fi and all that. And so I feel like they're very, that community too online is very defensive, you know, and can be very argumentative about its tastes. So I, I yeah. guess I'm not shocked to see a, a slight group kind of rallying around this book. It's also deeply influential. So it doesn't shock me to see it. I, I was shocked that it was number one, but was not shocked that it was near the top. Um, for my opinion, I think it's just a really flawed masterpiece. thought it was a great, great time discussing it, too, because of some of its bold and some of its wilder decisions. I think I just really enjoyed talking about it, trying to unpack it, trying to understand it. So to me, it, it will not be remembered for being perfect. But the other thing is, when I went to look back at the list, do you think any of these were slam dunk, home run, sports metaphor number ones? Like, I don't think so. No. That was the other part it of it, tough. too. Yeah, this was kind yeah. of a flawed group we had here, which is interesting. I, we got some rich discussion out of some of these. So that, I, that was another part of it, too, is that I just thought, like, well, there's no clear front runner, right? There's no masterpiece, so to speak. <laughs> and I had a great time with the in call. So that's my number one. Do you want to talk, talk us through jazz, then, how it made it to number one? Yeah, I um, I chose jazz just because it's um, there's a lot of great things about it that we we um, unpacked and despite its flaws, it's still something that I think that I could pick up again and read again, um, and something that I could I could recommend to somebody with like certain caveats. So I chose it as number one because it is the writing style is i suppose like the it's experimental but it's still so clearly morrison and it's um there's there's more positives to it than the negatives and yeah mm. yeah i think that's well said I'll, I'll just jump in and say that it's my number two which we'll get to now let's jump into our number two rankings or any other thoughts on jazz nope that was oh, it. okay yeah the number two for Goodreads with a 4.07, so pretty noticeably better. Um, since it does it up to the second decimal place, like those differences kind of matter, uh, is a tie for Goodreads. So two, two is World of Wonders, which is the essay collection uh, at a 4.07, and then tied as well with that is Ghetto Side. What a combo. I mean, they're the two nonfiction. Right? I guess that's the trend, right? <laughs> Am I missing yeah. something? <laughs> <laughs> I, I truly don't understand... It's bizarre to me that these ended up being next to each other. They're very different, um, which, you know, that's <laughs> meaningful. Uh, for my number two, I chose Jazz by Toni Morrison as well. And how about for yours? World of Wonders. So you're up there with Goodreads. Why don't you start first, then talk us through why is it Goodreads number two and why is it your number two? I think with Goodreads, it's it's um, it's an approachable nonfiction work that's chunked up in a way that you don't feel like you have to read it all in one sitting you can very easily space it out um you could do one essay a night you could do two essays a night um it is um uh there's a lot of good information about like nature and like certain facts that are really interesting about nature and it's it's these um plants and animals that are not necessarily the most popular choices that you would like it's not about dogs right it's it's yeah. the cassowary which is this weird like turkey looking ostrich type thing and <laughs> okay okay i'm buying um, this i, I kind of yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and the uh, and the autobiographical stuff and the philosophy stuff is very light. So even if you don't care about the author herself and you just want to read about the descriptions, the the autobiographical stuff of of this person that you you might not necessarily know is very light and it's more of like um these these lighter reflections on how it related to her life and it's very personal to her um mm-hmm. so if you can keep a, an open mind about that it's it's a great read which is why I loved it I loved yeah because I could connect with her as a person um, as a female and as a minority growing up in the in the 90s, um, there's a lot that I could personally connect with, which is why it was so high on my personal list. Definitely. Um, yeah. And also, like, I just loved some of the imagery that she incorporates. You can definitely tell that she is, um, that she probably does re- uh, read and write poetry and stuff like that. So she does have some nice creative um, stylistic turns. Yeah, and I do think for all of the moments I thought were from her life that she decided to pull and write about were maybe underexplored, underdeveloped, et cetera, et cetera, it's such a brief book, and I think it's meant to be that way, and she never comes across as insincere, and I think that's pretty important, too. I can see why people respond to that. Her reflections are very honest, it seems, and if maybe a little too straightforward for me or something, maybe the connections are a little too again to me were maybe underdeveloped or something at times it's extremely you know earnest and sort of the emotions are there so i think that people could connect to that what about ghetto side being number two i I could see it i mean it's people love narrative nonfiction these days so that that 100 percent connects to me i don't think it's the most engaging narrative nonfiction that i've read but it was really well done and the writing doesn't get in the way she can kind of knows she kind of knows when to jump in and set a mood and set a scene and so i think that helps a lot um there are some kind of structural point of view things that you could criticize if you want with the book of course but it felt like a pretty comfortable number two i there's a version of my list where it's my number one as well i just when i was thinking about it the other day and putting this together i just didn't put it number one but it's just competently written and will definitely show you a world that you might not know it is competently written and and i can see why it's so high up especially i feel like a lot more people are interested in reading like nonfiction stuff nowadays for whatever reason. I, I talk mm-hmm. to people and they're like, oh, your podcast, do you guys ever read nonfiction? Because that's all I read. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Yeah, we do, but <laughs> we read everything. <laughs> we're, we're intentionally trying to, yeah, we're intentionally trying to do a good chunk of nonfiction, but it will never be our focus. Yeah. You know? Um, but for me, Ghetto Side was actually my number five. Mm. Which seems low, but like, I mean, I did genuinely enjoy reading it, but it, the other books that I chose above it were because I enjoyed reading those more for different reasons. I think Ghetto Side is a, is a good book. There's definitely like some of the transitions and some of the stuffing in of certain information just seemed a little unorganized, not unorganized. She definitely had a clear idea and outline. Mm -hmm. It's just that it wasn't, um, for me, executed always very well so but 
overall, I, I'm not surprised that Ghetto Side is so highly rated. Yeah, and I won't say much more about my jazz pick at two. Here's a quick version. Uh, Toni Morrison's mixed to just okay works are better than basically everybody else's. So it's number two. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. It's not her best and was interesting in plenty of spots and at some points confusing maybe, a little too much for my yeah. taste. And it was still better than basically everything else. So <laughs> <laughs> a lesser work by a true like literary genius is better than a, you know, a pretty good or great thing by someone else sometimes. So anyway, Mm -hmm. Jazz number two. Uh, Their number three slash four, because there was a tie there, for Goodreads is We Are Okay at a 3.95. I'd say it's a noticeable drop off. It's below the four, which it seems like if a book really gains popular consensus and momentum, it will be above a four. That's what we've kind of learned. So we tend to live in the threes. You know, we thrive in the threes. So that's a 3.95. My number three uh, slash four at this point, we can just do, we can combine both. Uh, My number three was Ghetto Side. For all the reasons I kind of named, I think back on it very positively, and it felt like kind of a frictionless, well-done guide to a world I didn't know much about. And then I put We Are Okay at four, so I'm actually tied with Goodreads there. Um, What were your three and four? My number three was um, We Are Okay, Mm -hmm. because the character work, I love the theme, I love that for a young adult novel that it was something that was still approachable and and not... uh, not putting plot above certain stylistic aspects. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for my number four, I put the inkle because even though, like, I haven't said much about it um, in this pod, but like, I I loved the chaos. <laughs> I was just like, this is such a wild ride, and like, some sometimes the chaos, I was kind of like, oh, I'm a little lost here, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall it was just such an enjoyable read and i was just like letting myself be overtaken by the chaos and i was just like yeah man this is great so (laughs) you got to gotta give into it (laughs) uh that's great i think yeah we are okay being i'm surprised it didn't crack the four just because i think young adult literature can get kind of a rabid fan base going as well so you get some loyalty built in with that sometimes that though to me it actually feels very that feels very fairly graded because i I think it has some flaws for certain, but also there's a certain emotional honesty and truth, even if it feels maybe convenient at times or something. And and it had some, again, unresolved darkness to it that I appreciated because it, it's maybe too saccharine to wrap everything up. And it definitely wraps some mm-hmm. things up, but leaves other things unexplored. So I like the scope of it. I think, yeah, like you said, it's it feels very like all the pieces are complementary. I also thought it was better than the other YA book we've done, like explicitly YA book which was they both die at the yeah. end. And so I'm not sure where that stacks up. I didn't pull that number. I feel like they both die at the end ranked better than that, but I'm not sure. Did yeah, it? probably. Yeah, yeah, or close. It was a pretty popular book. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, next on the Goodreads rankings. Oh, oh, and so, yeah, why did I put Ghetto Side Above We Are Okay? I don't really know. Those feel like they could be a tie for me as well. Similar feelings oh, nice. about both, I think, coming out. Just in that, I think I'll remember the feeling of them the same way. Like, oh, this was this was a well done thing within a genre. I appreciated it. It didn't didn't rock my world, but I nodded in appreciation. Kind of that kind of feeling. Um, let's move down to the Goodreads number five slash four, uh, second to last, which is Jazz, Toni Morrison's novel, at a three point eight five. My second to last is World of Wonders, the essay collection, and yours, Amanda. Ghetto side for me. Well, it's no surprise that Toni Morrison lives in the high threes. 
uh, there's just absolutely no way the wide reading public is going to give her above a four, I don't think. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, at least I don't think they did for Bluest Eye, which is the other book we did for the podcast. I- I'm sure she's got a novel or something that, that cracks it, but it, it was never going to be jazz. Truly a complicated literary work that requires some careful attention. So that, that doesn't shock me even a, for a little bit or even for a second. And again, as we've stated before, this is this is kind of where we thrive, you know. We love the high threes, <laughs> it seems. So, thoughts on jazz being second to last? Um, no, I'm I'm not surprised. It's mm-hmm. uh, typically when when something is very stylistically complex, um, involving a lot of like discussion, it's it's not going to break the fours a lot of the time <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i yeah. you know i put world of wonders down there at my five i'm not sure i've, I've been too critical about it tonight i don't want to repeat myself but it it just doesn't connect the two worlds of its own fascination her life and nature quite as well as i would have liked that's my brief summary nature writing in it i appreciated a ton in spots and there were just too many of the essays i think which are brief there's a ton of them but maybe 30 30 plus Something yeah, like that. Quite a bit, yeah. Well, and it's 150 pages. That's so it's very brief. It's not like 30 and it's 300 pages. Um, and I, there were just too many of them there that I ended feeling not confused, but confused as to its purpose, not as to its construction or ideas, but just kind of like that, that's all that you had to say. That kind of a feeling. Like it, they felt. Mm-hmm. I, I guess poetic in a way seems fitting, <laughs> but didn't there connect go, with yeah. me. Yeah, it didn't connect with me all the time. Um, so that was my five. And how about Ghetto Side for you near the bottom? Any reasons? Any thoughts? Yeah, it's just. Um, I mean, I enjoyed the others more than Ghetto Side, and um, for me, it was just sometimes the the structure for me, the organization for me, didn't always work. Yeah. But overall, it was an enjoyable read, and and I think I learned a lot. Not very confusing though structurally right right? it was more just yeah do you remember which moments disconnected or something it was just she would go from like almost a narrative style and then like switch it without much of a transition to some of the hard facts and statistics and then like historical briefings and stuff and then like switch back to this like imagery laden description of like a crime scene true and and it was just the, the the transitions for me were really lacking loves a page break the author yeah. of that book like a mid-page yeah. <laughs> digression kind of break yeah yeah it's narrative nonfiction has its rhythms in that way that is for sure and yeah. let's jump to the final book in all the rankings so this is uh, again i feel like we <laughs> transcended here in this set because i picked the well not picked but i i agree with the number one and i also agree with the number six the last one which they put as on common type the short story collection by tom hanks and a, he, i mean this is a huge drop off too we can't oversell this yeah. a 3.44 and jazz is 3.85 like again they they go to the second decimal for a reason and that is a huge drop off that might be one of the lowest books we've ever done i think yeah what do you think yeah it might be i'm I'm trying to think of what would be lower than that yeah i truly can't even recall like there have been some again high threes which is where we've thrived but that is low for goodreads i, I don't think we've ever even 
dared upon a book close to a anything in the twos. I don't even know if good if they exist on good. Like I, I've truly never even seen it. So you have to kind of take their rating scale with a grain of salt, right? Where it, it basically all the ratings live between three point f- whatever four now and like four point five. That's like that's your zero to. There aren't books outside of those outliers. At least not that we're picking, right? So we tend to pick things that are at least you know somewhat regarded. Any, because, and you agree, right? I agree. This is the bottom one, number six. Yeah, Yeah. and I I would also (laughs) add, as in my first addendum, I'll be the first one up to take a crack at this and not be too cruel about it, hopefully. This would be the only book I would straight up recommend not reading. I think all the other ones have their niche. I truly don't know who I would recommend this to. Do you? I would recommend this to somebody who, um, is interested in maybe in um, reading something by Tom Hanks where it's like every major character is like a possible role that he could play in a movie. I remember <laughs> you saying that. That is such a good lens. Yeah, it is probably honestly the best lens for the book to be considered. <laughs> or like it's kind of like a little mystery game of guess the guess the Hanks role, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. G- guess the Hanks insert. It's, I he just doesn't. It doesn't seem like he has the literary ear. We talked in the episodes a bit about his... The structure seems fine. I I think that was kind of our our quibbles were the least with the structure. Kind of the ideas even were, were solid. And I'll say this. He didn't fall into the trap... To me, of short stories, which is getting too ambitious, a lot of them are pretty intimate scenes or like really small moments, which to me is the joy of the short story. It's like, don't go too big, really pick a moment to explore instead of something more grand. But the writing is not up for it. It's like the the writing is not going to deliver you the intensity and intimacy that you need in, in a story of small scope. So it's an odd one. I, yeah, I did not like his writing much. He he hasn't developed his his writer's voice yet is the issue. Yeah. But um, I will say that some of the a couple of the stories, uh, especially stories dealing with um, parent child relationships, oh, yeah. those were the best written ones. I agree. Um, um, and the and the most um, clear as far as like character development and like mm-hmm. purposefully written as far as certain um descriptors and stuff like that so if you were to read the stories i would say gravitate uh, you would probably most people would gravitate towards the stories with the parents and the the kids yes and the one that i praised outright in the book club and still think is just a solid short story is a parent-child story. So I definitely agree with that. Yeah, not surprised it made the bottom. I I mean, look, let's just bring this up and try and be quick about it. We have done one other book by a famous non-writer that killed it on Goodreads, and that was the Trevor Noah book that I hated way more than this. That I still think is my least favorite book we've read so far. So I don't get the difference I think it could just be as it's so hard to explain why some people like certain humorous things. Like humor, one of the all-time hard things to explain well. <laughs> so it could just be that the humor of Noah's book actually really connects with people and just not at all for me, which we you know discuss and analyze to death on those episodes. They're in the feed. Just go listen to them if you're interested. But the dis- disparity here is staggering because Trevor Noah's book was the number one we've ever read ranking yeah yeah not even crazy close. high ranking yeah. so i'm just a little shocked because i don't in terms of quality of writer interesting voice 
the the benefit that Trevor Noah has is his life is fascinating. His writing is not. And so I'm just stunned by the difference. Like they are pretty much equivalently good at writing is what I would say. Just such a weird way to say it. But I just did. And yeah, the disparity here is like, I thought that was the part that stunned me. Not that uncommon type should have been better or something, but just seeing those next to each other, I'm just like, dang, what happened? What a strange thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Any other final thoughts on it being the lowest, maybe lowest ever? Uh, nope. Just, I'm not surprised, but I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. It's uh, it's a shame because, you know, Tom Hanks, he's so unaccomplished in his life that it's he was really banking on the book to say <laughs> he's not well known or regarded or respected for anything else. So it's like, man, it's a tough break. Hard, hard to trash on somebody who's down, who's so down. <laughs> um, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. But if you end up reading that, check out our book clubs and everything. We we go into it in a ton of detail. That is going to be the book highlights episodes for books 25 to 30, which we've named the titles and authors of a ton. So I won't say them again today. Amanda any final thoughts on this Mm -hmm. set of books I think now we're getting bold and I'm off the cuff here maybe the weakest set but I if this is the weakest set we've done if this is how low we can go it's still very fun and a lot of good interesting stuff in here for discussion so I don't yeah I don't know do you feel like this is the weakest set of six we've covered or no yeah yeah because and I feel like in other sets we've there's been a clear one that we've really enjoyed yeah yeah that's like, true and and like we had that one set where it was like my favorite thing is monsters and something wicked this way comes and like burnt shadows like it's just those were such strong yeah right novels it was actually like harder to choose which one was number one because there were so many good ones definitely <laughs> True grit. these are the ebbs and flows <laughs> yeah these are the ebbs and flows of picking and we we certainly research a lot beforehand and we pick you know, with thoughtfulness and caution and everything. But I don't know, as is always our kind of slogan on the show, we have more to say and it's almost more interesting when it, when we don't like something or have <laughs> a lot of reservations. So yeah, I look mm-hmm. back on these episodes and I think we got a ton of good stuff. I feel like jazz was a ramble heavy one for me. Cause I was kind of flummoxed by some of the structure and the, I remember jazz is one of those rare episodes where I was just doing straight up comprehension questions with you at some point. It was kind of like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Did, am I reading correct? You know, it's, so that's kind of a rare thing on the show. I mean, we analyze it a lot too, so I'm not, I don't think we pulled up short, but that's, that rarely happens for just straight up comprehension checks. Um, yeah, uh, definitely not a strong set, but hey, tons of things to read, and I feel great about my top three or four. Like, and I, again, the only book I would recommend against would be the Uncommon Type. Even World of Wonders, I think, has a very clear audience because it's emotional. It's so, its emotions are such on its sleeve, and her life has so many things people can connect to, even if it's just brief connections. So, yeah, I think that's that's an easy one, even though it was near the bottom. Any final thoughts on this set then? Uh, nope, I'm good. Excellent. We have been, as I mentioned at the beginning, the Lightly Literary Podcast. Thanks for listening all the way through. We appreciate it. And we, of course, hope more than anything you got a book idea, something to go pick up this week and, and start reading. Our podcasts for all of these books will be up in the feed forever, or at least as long as the show lasts. So just go search through <laughs> what we've done and you'll find them. We, we put the titles in the episode. So if you search by the title of the book, you will find it. We, again, have social media accounts at Facebook and Instagram, which are at the Lightly Literary Podcast, which is all one word. So we appreciate to follow there if you can like or subscribe via you know spotify i think you can follow on itunes something like that we appreciate it any recommendations or reviews on those platforms helps a ton because it that's how people get noticed is you got to get recommendations and reviews so go do that please and thank you 
We'll be back next week. Do, do you know what book we're posting next? Shoot. <laughs> I don't know if I do. Oh, it's the Joan no. Didion, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yes. Okay. Slouching Towards Bethlehem. Yeah, we may as well throw that in here. Our next book we're going to be covering is, a, is an actual essay collection by Joan Didion called Slouching Toward Bethlehem. So if you're interested in that, the book recommendation when you're hearing this will be up next Monday. So check that out. It'll be in the feed. Uh, we thank you again so much for listening. And as always, we'll see you between the pages. 